one. Welcome back into Phantoms on the Mound. My name is Dakota Haynes. Today I'm joined by Rowan, aka the Redbeard, and Lee McManus. Guys, how are you? Doing well. How are you, Dakota Rowan? I'm doing good. Doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, it's been a crazy week with the NFL starting. Week two of college football, we saw a lot of upsets, but the biggest storyline this weekend was the Mariners beating out the Braves two out of three. Yeah, they they can. Yeah. Go ahead, Lee. Well, I was just gonna say, yeah, I, I, this is this is why nobody should ever read the predictions part of my articles ever. I picked the Braves two out of three, but I did say, uh. That I thought that was contingent on, you know, giving Jansen a big enough lead in the ninth inning uh, to where he was just giving up a run or two was, was it going to matter. And you see what happened Sunday. I, I haven't written it yet because we had a, a long discussion on our Slack about other, other stuff last night. But I'm going to write something on the fact that Jansen can't be the closer for the Braves going forward, and this is this is different from last year to me with the Braves because Luke Jackson had closed for the Braves before, but he hadn't had the success that Will Smith had had, and you didn't really have other options other than Jackson, who'd even closed before. This year, the Braves have Iglesias, Rizel Iglesias, who did a not a great job for the Angels, but the Angels were falling apart as a team altogether. And since he's come to the Braves, Iglesias has been excellent. Mm-hmm. He's closed before, and it just makes sense to me when you have someone who's had success with your team and uh, has had success as a closer to go to him over Jansen, at least right now, mm-hmm. and maybe into the playoffs if he, if he uh, performs well enough. Yeah. All credit to the Mariners for coming back. Uh, but when I saw Jansen was going up against Julio Rodriguez, <laughs> I'm looking at that the way Jansen's pitched uh, ever since he had the heart issue and going, you know, he's going to be hard-pressed to get him out. Lo and behold, home run. Well, when and- Eugenio Suarez came up after that, excuse me, um, I felt the same way. So, mm-hmm. yeah, the uh, – all credit to the Mariners for coming back and winning that game, uh, but Jansen can't be the closer for Atlanta going forward. Not not the way things are going right now, as far as far as I see it. And I'll just add one thing, other thing, very quickly for Snit to come out, Brian Snitker, the Braves manager, to come out and say, "Hey, he has the most saves in the league." That's that's a product of opportunity. That's not a product of how well he's pitched. And I, sure. I thought that was him showing a little bit. That's that's the Bobby Cox mentality he has of being very loyal to his players. That's fine. But at some point, if you're going to defend your World Series title, you have to have uh, best people in the in the best and ro- in, in the role. Sure. Uh, for them to succeed, and I just don't see Jansen the way he's pitching right now succeeding in the playoffs for the Braves. Yeah, I remember even like probably a, a month or two into the season, 
uh, everybody was talking about Iglesias for the Angels being one of the best closers in the league, even though he was on the Angels, who wasn't winning much. But as far as his, his pitching, he was he was on fire, man. He still is. I just want to add um, one thing, and this is something that I'm thankful for being back in Washington now, uh, and that's being able to watch the uh, Mariners home broadcast. But on that, they when Julio was running into the dugout, uh, they showed him on camera, and he gave this look like as like as soon as the Mariners lost the lead in the third game, he gave this look like, "I've got this," like, <laughs> um, and then he went into the dugout, and literally, um, like, out loud told Scott Service that the team was going to rally, and that's exactly what they did, but. We'll talk more about that uh, here after a little while. Uh, we're going to jump into our first topic, and that is Banana Ball. Lee, go ahead and introduce it. Okay, so yeah, this is based on a barnstorming college <clears throat> college team. Uh, they, this is straight from the Los Angeles Times article. They barnstormed through the south and midwest during the season. And they are known as the Savannah Bananas. I have to say, pretty typical minor league baseball team name, right? We always have the Isis, Albuquerque Isotopes and all these crazy uh, minor league team names. So that's that's a pretty typical, the cool uh, minor league barnstorming team name. But here's here are the rules for banana ball. Um, the, the first one right out of the gate, I can't imagine any Major League Baseball team ever considering implementing. Any foul ball caught by a spectator counts as an out. Can you imagine? <laughs> I mean, that, that, don't, that, don't get me wrong. Like, it's not a bad thought. I just don't think it's going to be in Major League Baseball anytime in the future. No, I mean, excuse me, if, if that were the case... How, how how many gloves would be in the stands? Every fan would be bringing a glove to the to a game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if that were the case. Well, then they get to keep the ball too. Yeah, yeah, that's true. What was his name that had, was so controversial for the Cubs against the Marlins game seven? Can you imagine if he caught that and that was an actually an out for the Cubs? Mm-hmm. That would have changed history. Oh yeah, Bartman, I think. Yeah, Steve Barkman. Exactly. So, yeah, that, that, if he caught that and that were actually an out for the Cubs, think how different that would have been. The, the Cubs might have had a chance to – well, they would have had a chance probably to uh, break their drought. What, 13, 13 years earlier? That was 2003. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that's part of the allure, too, of going to the game, man, is catching a foul ball. Or home run ball, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah I, I don't think that first rule is gonna gonna fly at all. No. Um, I think we all agree on that. Here's here's one that that's never gonna happen either. Neither managers nor catchers can visit the mound. Um, and if a batter steps out of the box between pitches, it's called it's a called strike. I mean that's that's gonna be part of the pitch clock anyway. The last part. The first part's never going to happen. Yeah, I was about to say, I could see the second part happening in five years when they want to speed the game up even more. I don't think that 
I don't think that's going to happen. Um, because visiting the mound is all part of the game. It's part of the, you know, analysis part. Um, you know, if uh, pitcher isn't pitching well against a player, like they, uh, you know, plan the matchup to, sometimes a pitching coach has to go out there and calm the nerves of that pitcher. That's that's part of the game. That's the one part of the game for a pitcher standpoint that I don't see changing ever. Yeah, I would agree with that. And it, plus, you know, you have relievers who, who might just have gotten up. That's to give them time as well. It's a, it's a bit of a stalling tactic, let's be honest. But still, it's it's one that, that makes sense. Yeah, to do, so. I definitely think they're going to keep that. I, I'm just talking about the batter's box one. Like, they already trying to put the pitch clock. And I think at some point it's going to get there to where it's like, yeah, don't step out of the box. You got to keep one foot in the box. Right. Yeah, that's, that's that's something they tried to get hitters to do anyways, to at least keep one foot in the box and not step out at all. And that's not really enforced. Um, okay, th- this one, I don't, I don't know how I feel about this one either. Um, you have to run to first base after a walk. The ball is still alive, even after a walk. Uh, runners can keep going until the ball is thrown to every fielder. Yeah. That's just, I don't know. A walk can turn into a home run. Yeah, I like it just for the excitement of it because you got to keep watching. You can't just, oh, that's a walk and look away. You know, you got to watch to see if you can make it to the second or third. All right. I think it's pretty exciting. I think it's weird, but exciting. I will give it the the weird label. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that that would, I don't. It has to touch every it has to touch every fielder except for the pitcher and catcher. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's giving the runner a lot of advantage when you think about how far around all those throws have to, have to go mm-hmm. after a walk. He, he should be able to at least make it second. Yeah, I mean, um, one error throw, it's a home run. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And if he's fast enough, easily to third and in, in part the, inside the park home run. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I can see that adding some excitement to the game. Again, this is these are things that are just never going to be implemented in Major League Baseball. Right. Yeah, there's a there's a rule that me and my buddy always talk about, and uh, like on pop ups in the Major Leagues, uh, the runner if the runner could get the second before the ball is caught, he should be safe. Just to just to add something to it, I don't see it ever happening, but it's just uh, just one of those things people talk about. I think banana ball just took a lot of those little couch conversations and threw it into the rule book. Well, and see, yeah, the Savannah Bananas started out as a summer collegiate baseball team in the Coastal Plain League. Um, and they just wanted to be different, you know. Kind of create their own brand of baseball, and that's what they've done with it. Hey, they pay- yeah, I, I, I don't know how much Calvin and Hobbs, the two of you, ever read. Uh, but this feels... Slightly Calvin Ballish to me. <laughs> <laughs> I it, did, did either of you ever see the current the comic strip oh, yeah. with Calvin Ball? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, th- th- these rules feel kind of Calvin Ballish to me. Except Calvin Ball even had crazier rules because there were you. I mean, you literally made up the rules as you went along. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, batters can. 
can steal first on any pass ball or wild pitch, regardless of the count. See, I like that one. It's been a couple of times, even watching Major League Baseball, like late in the innings, and like it's a wild pitch. I'm like, oh, I wish he could just steal first right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that one, that one, I think is is, is of the of all these rules that I think could add some real excitement to the game. Um, imagine Ronald Acuna Jr. on two healthy knees charging down the first base and getting mm-hmm. on base, or some someone with a lot of speed like that. Uh, that that would be that would be uh, adding a lot of excitement for a speedier player to be able to do that. Yeah, put yeah. a lot more pressure I, on the pitcher. Yeah, I would be in favor of something like that. Out of all the rules I, I look through here, mm-hmm. how do you feel about that one, Dakota? Yeah, I, I love it. Um, I think it'd bring more excitement to the game. This this one. I, this one, the no bunting, if a batter bunts, he is thrown out of the game. I, <laughs> I, that, that probably is out of, well, the next one as well that's listed here is, is a bad rule to me that we'll get into in just a second. But if you want if you want to have the speed element of the one above it, you know, if a fast runner bunts, that's an exciting play. That can be a potentially exciting play for them mm-hmm. to get on base, bunting. And guys, Bunning's almost out of Major League Baseball. A lost anyway, art. Because nobody ha- knows how to do it. Yeah, it's a lost art for sure. I've seen this season so many people just hit themselves in the face trying to bunt and pop it up. <laughs> yeah. But I do miss the I do miss the sacrifice bunt and all this, the, especially with the shifts. I, I thought people two seasons ago when they started the shift heavy, I was like, people should just start bunting. Right down third base, but it hasn't hasn't caught on. We'll we'll talk about the shifting uh, here after this, but with that going away next year, could we see more bunting in the MOB? I, I think it I, I think it's something that's going to have to be heavily practiced uh, in spring training and mm-hmm. really worked on in the off season. Uh, maybe more than one off season before we really see it come back. I don't. Yeah, it's it's gonna it's gonna have to be something that they consider a little more often now. But see, I, I figure I feel like with the shift was when you're supposed to bunt, not when they're not shifting. Not that everybody's yeah. back in their position. I mean, you gonna have third and first playing the grass. It's not like you got a whole left side of the field wide open to bunt. And if they haven't started bunting this last two seasons, I definitely see it dying even dying even more next season. Like with with the uh, with the shift. Yeah, maybe right on that. Yeah, I think Bunn's dead for Major League Baseball moving forward. For, for, yeah, the vast majority of it. And I think also if the ghost runner in extra innings is going away, that, that was a perfect opportunity to just bunt somebody over, hit a sacrifice fly, game over, right? Yeah. The bottom half of the inning and the, and the team in the top half hadn't scored. With the ghost runner going away, that that might be less of a consideration as well. Yeah, I always thought that gave the advantage to the bottom, uh, to the home team. If uh, if they could just shut the, the away team out on the top, just one bunt, two bunts, and they win the game. Or like you said, a bunt to sacrifice fly. Sure, yeah. Okay, this, out of all the rules here, this is probably the absolute worst one to me for, for obvious reasons. 
But the banana ball is like match play in golf. The team that scores the most runs during an inning gets a point for that inning. The win goes to the team with the most points at game's end. That's a terrible rule. If you score more than one run and all you get is a single point, really? I'm kind of Yeah, I can see a team. Yes, it's fun and exciting, but. Go ahead, Ron. Uh, yeah, I it could be a team that puts up say 15 runs in the seventh, and uh, if it was a regular game, they would win 35 25 the way they play banana ball. But because of the one that could be the only inning they win all game and they lose, and the other team maybe only put up 12 runs, so that 15 would have just gave them the win in the seventh. But mathematically, it don't make sense, but I, I get it as far as uh, I mean, it keeps games close, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Every game comes down to the to the last inning or last two innings, yes, I would guess. I, mean, I, I kind of like it, just because like we're seeing um, so many lopsided scores now, and I I kind of like closer games. But I don't know. It also just strikes you in the wrong direction. Like, yeah, like they should get those runs. But, I mean, if you look at it in the positive, I mean, they are still getting those runs, but it just counts as a point. Yeah, but it's one thing to have closed games. It's another to have it be completely artificial. Mm -hmm. I think that's the problem I have with it. If, if If the two teams are close in terms of talent, skill, and all that, and it's a closed game, fine. But you're going to create something that's completely artificial like that. That's... Here's, here's the thing I would say. If you score more than five runs, you, you cap it at, let's say, five points. Mm-hmm. That, that, that makes those runs, at least, at least you earn more points because you scored more runs. Right. Capping everything at one run, regardless if you score one run or ten runs, that's no. I, right. I think if you had a cap of maybe five points where you where you felt as if you scored a bunch of runs in an inning, you'd at least earn something for doing so. Mm-hmm. Makes a little more sense to me. Yeah, I feel That's, that. The, 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 the thing I just thought about, though, because I'm looking at these box scores of games going on right now, uh, if you're up to nothing, uh, it pretty much the game ends early, wouldn't it? Because uh, well, I don't know. I'm doing too much math right now, but I'm just looking at these Rays, Blue Jays, and uh, it's four nothing. So, but by banana game, ball rules, it'll be two nothing. So the game ends um, when a team scores five points. So oh, if, they don't do innings. So if one, well, every inning counts is the thing. So if one team scores, um, you know, if one team outscores the other in the first five innings and gets a point for all. Five of those innings, the game's over. Okay. All right. Well, that okay. That that makes a little. That makes that one point in inning rule make a little more sense. Okay. That's or crazy. Like, that makes say the other team wins like one or two or uh, three innings. You know, three of those innings, um, the game would be over in the sixth, seventh, or eighth innings, respectively. Okay. That that makes that makes the point in inning make a little more sense. It kind of takes away the the 
the baseball magic, though. Like, even though they're down five in the eighth, anything can happen. <laughs> well, and yeah, we, I agree. I mean, we've seen so many great comebacks, you know, over the year in the ninth inning, you know. Exactly. Our, yeah, there was one crazy Sunday night game maybe 15 years ago. Sorry to, sorry that this involved the Mariners, but I think it was the Indians and the Mariners where the Indians were down something crazy like 12 or 13 runs mm-hmm. and had the biggest comeback ever. So, you're, I mean, you, you have no way of knowing. Well, and then um, if it on the other side of that. The team can come back from that or not. Right, and then on the other side of that, um, I watched this one live on TV. Um, it was a Mariners-Padres series a couple of years ago. Um, the Mariners came back down 12 runs in the last two mm. innings of the ball game. <laughs> yeah, nothing is guaranteed. You just never know with the next pitcher that, that runs out there whether they're going to be able to get somebody out or not. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I, I'm, on, I'm on the fence a little bit about that one. Right. Uh, skeleton crew. During extra innings, the defense gets only a pitcher, catcher, and one fielder. If a batter puts the ball in play, he must try to round the bases and score before the ball is chased down and thrown home for an out. That's that's very Calvin Ballish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that might be the most Calvin Ball rule out of all of these. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I I yeah. do like it. Um, I do like it better than what they're experimenting with in the uh, minor leagues, um, and more specifically the Pioneer League, which is a partner league of uh, Major League Baseball, um, which is like a home run derby um, in the extra in- instead of extra innings. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it, I I could see it. See, the home run derby is kind of the hockey equivalent of the NHL shootout right once you once you get past overtime so I, I think that's that's something that I could see a little more of because it's already been something kind of like the home run derby has already been implemented in another team sport and so I, I think that's probably going to have more traction than this idea for banana ball. Yeah, I can see it happening. The thing with hockey, though, is so demanding on people's legs, and uh, they don't want people skating for five hours trying to finish a game in sure. triple overtime. But baseball, again, that's part of the beauty of it. It could go seventeen innings if it if it if it goes seventeen innings, and I don't I don't see why we would take that away. I mean, yeah, bullpen arms, and I mean, teams got to recover for the next week with that, but. <clears throat> I don't know. It's part of the game, man. You got to manage that over 162 games, and uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't like that. I like the fact that games can go on forever. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's there's 17 inning games are very rare anyway. Exactly. I mean, we we've had the uh, longest game in terms of inning stand for what close to 100, more, maybe more than 100 years. It was the Braves and I think Giants or someone like that, they went 26 innings. Nobody's ever gone past that in 100 years. Yeah. So that, that record's probably going to stand forever. Yeah. It ended up, it ended up in a tie because um, it got dark and they didn't have the light stands that they have now. That's how long ago that was. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's not going to happen again anytime soon. 
Definitely. Um, and then the last rule, I, and the, the time limit on this seems kind of arbitrary that they came to this for me. Banana Ball has a strict time limit with no new innings started after one hour and 50 minutes. <clears throat> so that's it. I mean, basically all these games are going to be two hours or less. Yeah, that's, that's sad. The thing with that one is uh, I've been a baseball umpire, as I was telling you guys last week, and it can get tiring. Um, mm. But, and so, you know, um, with that, you know, at the lower, like in um, high school baseball and whatnot, they don't start a game after an hour and 50 minutes. Or they don't start new really? after an hour and 50 minutes. So this is just kind of going back mm. to you know, those rules there. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I wasn't aware of that either. I I, I mean, if, if that's the case for, for something at high school um, or that level, I can kind of see it. Mm -hmm. um, these, are, these are younger players. You might be a little more susceptible to, to injury at that point if, if games go too long. I mean, High school football has 12-minute quarters for the same reason, so I get it. Mm -hmm. but I don't know. I, that The time limit is something that, even though Major League Baseball is, is trying to speed the games up, and we'll, we'll talk about why I think all of us probably agree that they should, that for, for something above, well, in between college and minor leagues, that seems that hour and 50 minutes seems a little arbitrary to me. Mm -hmm. It just does. Right. It makes sense for the for the players because this is uh, this isn't even like an official league. It's just like a summer league for college kids, huh? Right. Yeah. Right. right. True. Well, and it's not even it's, yeah. it's not even that anymore um, because they they went away from their collegiate summer uh, team um, and they're making it more of a they're making their team more of a professional setting. Um, Harlem Globetrotters? Like, you know, B-wise, but like, kind of like, yeah, kind of like the Harlem Globetrotters of baseball. That, that's exactly what I was going to say, that this, these games, you know, the Globetrotters, I, I could see going to a Savannah Bananas game just for the interest of it, seeing it one time. Mm -hmm. I would love to see a Globetrotters game. Um, this seems to be more of a real game than the Globetrotters because the Globetrotters will mess around for three quarters. doesn't matter what the score is. And really, you're seeing them play serious basketball that last part of the game. And then, of course, they'll beat the Washington Generals every single time. <laughs> um, so, so there's no re real care about the outcome. I'm sure there is... A little bit more for this, but yeah, it does feel mm -hmm. uh, this banana ball does feel a little Harlem Globe Globe Charter like to me as well. Yeah, I've seen people coming to play with stilts, all kind of crazy stuff. <laughs> yeah, and let me co correct myself here um, and just read a little bit of this uh, article that I found. Uh, the bananas compete in the Coastal Plain League, a wood bat summer uh, league featuring college players who don't get paid but have the chance to showcase their skills in front of professional scouts, all bet under the premise of knowing they are signing up for a different brand of baseball. 
owner Jesse Cole, who dresses in a yellow tuxedo for every game, told the Wall Street Journal <laughs> the rules and other in-game activities such as dancing coaches and players, coaches who are dressed in costumes, senior citizen cheerleaders, and sometimes playing game in, games in kilts is a way to help liven up the sport. We're not traditional baseball fans. We're for a younger fan base that wants to come out and have fun and enjoy the games. Fans have not left early. They've stayed to the end. Yeah, that's one thing I will say. They 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 they, they sell those tickets, man. They fill that park every every game, and people go crazy in the stands. And I've seen so many viral videos this season alone, just from stunts that I, you would never see in any other baseball game. Yeah, I think that's the thing. We're we're a major league baseball podcast, and we're thinking along the lines of what what would make sense for a major league game. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I I can see if you're not a not a as big of a fan of the sport, if you're someone who might casually watch baseball every now and then, if this this is attractive to you. Mm-hmm. Did, did you say people play in kilts? Did oh, I yeah. hear that right? Oh it's a circus. That's, yeah, pretty much. That's that's league of, it, of their own ish, uh, where the where the women played in skirts. I, I um, I hope they've got some protection underneath there when they slide. Oh man, or getting getting hit with a with a fastball could be uh, problematic as well. Yeah, they they wear some tights um, underneath the. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. With their uh, cup I hope they don't... on as well. Yeah, I hope, I hope those <laughs> tights don't rip easily. <laughs> there could be some embarrassment there. But that brings us to our next topic, which is uh, the MLB rule changes. This one we're going to keep a little bit shorter. Um, but, yeah, I mean, with so many changes, I mean, in baseball with banana ball, you know, changing it all literally everything in baseball um the mlb um made some recent changes uh to the pitch clock they're adding a pitch clock they're banning the shift coming in 2023 and the bases are going to be bigger i don't mind two of those rules i just hate the pitch clock the only logical point here that I see, like, thinking, like, just, oh, like, that makes perfect sense, is the bigger bases. And that's just because, you know, as a Mariners fan, I've seen Ty France, um, you know, get hurt earlier in the year due to the size of the bases. Well, I'm, I'm, I really wish we had a certain other person on who's not on uh, mm-hmm. I, I wish we had you on today, Shane. Uh, the For those who don't know, our... Shane is our owner, and he is heavily against the band shit. <laughs> yeah. Avidly uh, yeah, against. We, yeah, he, he was not happy with any of these rules other than, I think, the bigger bases. But here's the reality I tried to um, get across to him when we were discussing this earlier this week, uh, when these rules were, uh, when these rule changes were made known, 
is Van Schiff, we'll get into the, with the fear of foul thing in just a sec, in just a few minutes here. Mm -hmm. um, but these rules were done for one reason, and that is the way the other two majors team sports are going. That's just all there is to it. Their, their games are all about offense and action. And for Major League Baseball not to do something like this, they were just going to continue to trail mm -hmm. uh, those other two sports and interests. That's all there is to it. Right. You can love it or you can hate it, but we're, we're getting close to the point where pretty soon you're going to hate it, hit this even more because robot umpires are coming sooner rather than later. And we're going to go to a Hawkeye system for ball, balls and strikes. And for those who don't know what that is, that's in tennis where you can challenge balls and strikes. Mm -hmm. And you're going to see it up a big video board where where you can see where the where the pitch actually was and know if it was a ball or a strike. We're, we're going to have some major, major changes, even beyond just these three rules very soon. So if you don't like these rules more coming that you won't like either. That's mm -hmm. just all there is to it. Exactly. The um, thing I like about the shift, uh, I miss, I feel like it took away some of the excitement from the game since they started shifting. And not really as, well, as much as like pull hitters or push hitters, but I miss balls right up the middle that if the pitcher couldn't get it, it was an automatic base hit. And now it's like, the, the second baseman or shortstop is standing right there. So it, it just took away like 30% of the hits you would normally see in the game as far as a fan goes, which allows more base runners, which allows more crazy things that could happen. But I think that's been the most boring part of the shift is that up the middle hole being taken away. And see, we've Great seen... Great think alike there. And we've seen yeah, the I, shift being used more often than not this season. Yeah, that's on every player, man. They show some kind of way. Well, and see, one of the yeah. one of the um, most shifted against players is also, you know, one of the best uh, that we've known, um, you know, in baseball for quite some time, uh, at least for the past couple of years, and that's Carlos Santana. You know, he's been a workhorse for the teams that he's been on uh, now with the Mariners, but he um, he's the most shifted against player in baseball this year. And you can see it in his average. Yeah, yeah to, see, to me, I agree with you, Rowan, that we're, we're telling hitters to adjust. Oh, if you're, if you're, uh, if they're bringing the shift on you, just adjust. Well, what's the easiest adjustment for a hitter to make? Take it right back up the middle. Hit it where it's pitched, right? Mm -hmm. And so, when that, when we have three people standing on one side of second base to cut out the middle of the field you, if you want hitters to adjust and you take away the first uh, most obvious adjustment that they make that they would uh, normally make you're asking it for it to be really hard on them then right yeah it, it took it took a lot of excitement too because even if they push it the other way it's no throw. It's like it's automatically a hit. As soon as you see him push it down third base line, if you know the shift's on, it's like that's a hit. It's yeah. it took that excitement away. It took up the middle excitement away. It kind of just turned it into a, a strikeout, pop out, home run league, uh, and they blaming it on the players' approach. But I, I definitely think it's the shift that's done that over the last three years. 
Well, it's, it's not only that, but as good a uh, hitter as Freddie Freeman, and this was another thing I brought up in the in the chat earlier this week, said, yeah, you want us to adjust, and you, you might think that's easy, but everybody can throw 95 plus now. You try adjusting to something that's thrown that hard. Mm-hmm. There's some relievers that can bring it 103, even close to 105 now. Good luck adjusting to that and going the other way. In live game <laughs> action, lucky. yeah. Yeah, you're just lucky to get the bat on the, bat on the ball then at that point and just foul it off and just fight it off until you can get something a little off speed that you can actually handle. So. All right. Yeah, well, the, uh, go ahead, Ron. I was just about to say the pitch. I was about to just switch it to the pitch count. But if you got something else in mind, no, no, go ahead with the pitch clock. Yeah, the, yeah, I, that's the one rule I don't like about it because not only I feel like it's just gonna rush the pitchers and the hitters mentally until they get used to it, but I feel like with just a certain window, uh, once the hitters in the batter's box for the pitcher to pitch, it's just gonna allow the hitter to time them up a lot easier. I'm sure pitchers are going to get in the groove to where they're throwing it at two seconds every time or something. It's going to be more things to tell pitches than just their elbows and shoulders and grips. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a timing thing that I think a lot of players, batters, if they if they can get the timing down. I mean, you step in the box and you count to three and he's pitching, the pitch is coming. I'm sure that's going to happen a lot more than we think just out of human nature. Right. Well, here, here's the thing on the pitch clock to me. Um, this is this is something that was never enforced. It was a rule. I don't know why Major League Baseball, if they wanted this rule on the book, didn't go to umpires and say, hey, why aren't you enforcing this rule? Um, it's been on the books for a while. It's been in the minors for a while. And if we have this rule, then either enforce it or take it off the books. It's that simple. And the reality is that games, I mean, we, we could talk about just the actual length of a baseball game. I don't think it's the actual length that, that matters so much as the fact that there aren't many balls in play. And so the, there does that time of three and a half hours feels so much longer and stretched when there's not a lot of action happening for so much of it. I think that's the real issue in that it's been shown that when you have a pitch clock, you have more balls in play. And so a four to three game that takes two hours and 10 minutes feels far more exciting than say a three to two game that takes almost four hours. That That's just the reality. People's attention spans are shorter. And so something like this was going to have to happen. Either Major League Baseball was going to have to go to the umpires and say, enforce this rule for putting up a pitch clock. That's all there is to it. That's, that's just the nature of the way things are in today's society. Yeah, I can't argue with that. I, I just, as a fan, I just don't like the rushness of it. And I know that's not a word. I couldn't think of the right word. But I don't like the, just the, like, I feel like it's going to be a, a, I mean, I'm sure we're a couple months into next season, we'll forget all about it, but. I think it's going to feel rushed for a couple of weeks. I, I can understand your feeling on that. I would rather that we didn't have a pitch clock. I would rather that 
hitters found a way to beat the shift and it just went away because they're, you know, that happened naturally. Uh, and that we could have games that had more balls in play and more action and three hours didn't feel as long as it does to some people for a baseball game, but, but we don't. And that's that's why these rules are being implemented. That's all there is to it. Yeah, it's crazy. My bad. I was about to just say it's crazy because uh, sometimes I watch games and it's like the longer the game gets, the better it gets to me. I'm like, damn, these boys have been playing five hours. Like, ugh, like I don't know. It's just something about it. Like, they competing. They out there. Like, it's, it's become a mental game more than ever now because they've been out there all day in the sun. Mm-hmm. Well, but I am an old school fan. Yeah, for sure. But no matter what we say about the two uh, new rule changes, the pitch clock and the band shift, we won't convince our owner, Shane Davis, to change his mind. <laughs> Definitely not. Definitely not. Nah, yeah, he's, he's standing on that rock till he dies. <laughs> but that's going to bring us to our first break. Uh, it's been quite a long uh, first section of this podcast, but we finally reached our first break. So we're going to take that real quick and be right back with you. Hey, do you want to invest in your favorite players like stocks? Well, with Prediction Strike, you can. Now, this app, Prediction Strike, you can buy and sell shares and athletes and build a portfolio based on who is going to perform in their games or just your favorite players. Download the app and use the code PHANTOM with an F, all capitals, when you sign up. Prediction Strike, the world's first sports stock market. Welcome back into Phantoms on the Mound. My name is Dakota Haynes. Today I'm joined by Lee McManus and Rowan, aka the Redbeard, once again. Now we're going to jump on into our segment that we like to call Fair or Foul. We are introducing this for the first time. Now, Fair means you agree with the statement, Foul means you don't. <laughs> it's kind of like inside, outside, um, but it's our version of this. So we're going to jump on in with this. You have to give a little bit of a statement as well, um, just kind of stating why you agree or disagree. So our first one is uh, when the with the rule changes, the shift was banned starting in 2023. Fair or foul, banning the shift was a good idea. Fair for me. Uh, I miss balls up the middle being a base hit. I miss uh... – Balls hit the other way, having a throw at first and not just being an automatic base hit. I think it's going to just bring the, the game back to where it was about 10 years ago as far as hitters being able to just hit the ball all around and not have to worry about just pushing. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And as, as I was uh, saying before in the chat, rules to, to make – games have more action have already been put in place in the NFL and the NBA. There's all kinds of rules against contact in both those sports to have more action. And uh, this, this is the same, sort of the same thing. Yes, it hurts defense, but that's just the way 
team sports are going. The mm-hmm. the defense is is more limited in these team sports, like it or not. Um, you know, there there's still people who grumble about those rules in the NBA and NFL all the time. I'm sure we'll be grumbling about there'll be plenty of people grumbling about this in, in Major League Baseball, but baseball is, I think, a special case because, as we've mentioned earlier, and as you said, Ron, the easy adjustment is to take balls back up the middle. Uh, with pitchers throwing so hard, it's just harder to, even for the very best hitters, to go the opposite way as easily. And so I think the, the shift banning it was going to happen because of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to say fair as well on this one. So we're going to go all three fair. Um, you know, some of the best players in the league get shifted on, you know, the most. And it's taken away from their batting averages. Uh, I think with the um, shift banning in 2023, we're going to see a lot of batting averages rise. Which is going to make, make baseball more exciting. I, yeah, I don't think we'll get to where it was in the steroid era where teams were, whole teams were close to 280 or so. But um, I think the best batting average in the league is about 260. Mm-hmm. I think we'll see it rise maybe five or six points closer to 270 for the best teams. I don't think we'll get ever get to where we were uh, steroid era. Uh, pitchers, pitchers are just too good. The other thing is to consider is, I think what's happened with uh, the launch angle thing, it's taken uh, players who I don't think need to be worrying about launch angle <clears throat> to hit it over a shift. It, it's take, it's going to take that away because now you can have more of a level swing, right? You don't have to launch it. It can go straight up, straight through the middle in uh you don't you don't have to worry about launching it over the shift, and the the other thing to consider long term as well is um, pitchers are throwing far fewer fastballs than they used to, because if you have a good twelve to six curveball or a good changeup, right, they're going to swing over the top of that with that uppercut more uppercut swing. So I think we're going to see more fastballs. Um, hitters hitters are looking fastball first anyway. If you can't hit a major league fast fastball, you're not going to be in the league very long anyway. You hear that all the time. So I think we're going to see more fastballs. That's an easier pitch for for hitters, um, and averages will go up because of that as well. All right. Uh, well, jumping into our next topic, um, Albert Pujols is just three home runs away from 700 with 21 games to go. Fair or foul, he will become the fourth player in Major League history to reach 700. I'm going to go fair as a fan. I know it's hard to just, especially once it gets down to like nine, ten games, he's going to be really trying to get that last two or one that he needs. But as a fan, I, I want to go fair. And I also hope that, uh, and I know this takes away from the integrity of the game, but I hope somebody gives him a little Looper change up over the middle of the plate if he just needs one more with two games left. See if he can just pull that thing over the fence, you know? Mm-hmm. Home, home runs are – I'm going fair as well just because of the streak he's been on. Uh, this this has been incredible from him. 
yeah. uh, to revive revive his hitting after the All Star break, uh, mm-hmm. and for him to hit as well as he has. The only caveat I'll give this is home runs come in bunches for for hitters at times, and there's just no way to predict. But the way he's hitting uh, this entire second half of the season, it seems far more fair than foul to me. Definitely. Right. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go fair as well. Just because, as Rowan said, you know, as a fan, it's just something that you want to see. Um, you know, he's been in the game so long. He's been, you know, one of the best players for two generations. So it's just something you want to see. <clears throat> Uh, which brings us to our next one, fair or foul? Where will the White Sox catch the Guardians? I'm actually gonna go foul on this one, even in my White Sox hat. I uh, <laughs> this team's just been so up and down, man. Uh, I just don't see them putting together a seven to ten game run to catch the Guardians, especially having to play the Guardians four games in the next ten days. But the Guardians are hot, man. They just won four straight, even this week coming into it. I just don't see the White Sox putting together enough wins to catch them uh, being behind three games right now. Yeah, I, I don't know. There, there's We haven't talked a lot of White Sox this season, but they've been one of the more intriguing teams with everything surrounding Tony La Russa, um, their struggles. Um, have left me scratching my head because they're they're far more talented team than this they they, they shouldn't be in this position at all mm-hmm. uh, i don't know how much of that is tony Larusa and things that have happened with him uh he's he's a much older manager look Larusa has been a great manager for a long time but i'm not sure that this is his era to to manage and i i think Having him there beyond this season, I'm, I'm wondering if, if he, uh, given his health issue that just popped up, given the way the team seemingly played better uh, without him there to manage the last few weeks, if, if he's going to be back after this year, if the uh, White Sox don't uh, chase down the Guardians here. It's going to be interesting. This this is going to be a very interesting offseason for a team that I thought was uh, going to take a step to challenge the Astros and Yankees this season. Yeah, that's what's so heartbreaking, man. That's what everybody, uh, including myself as a White Sox fan, I thought this year would be the year we took that next step from just being on the wild card friends to actually taking the division by storm and, and making a deep playoff run. We just haven't had pitching, man, and our hitters haven't hit either, so I can blame everybody. But besides Cease and Cueto, I mean, we haven't had two starters we could throw out there to count on giving us five, six innings all season. This has been tons of pitchers getting hit out the game in a second. Well, I am going to say fair um, because from what I've seen from the Guardians is they are kind of struggling. Uh, they have st- hit the struggle bus, and I don't think that they're going to get out of it uh, within the next 10 games. Uh, so that gives the White Sox a little bit of a chance to uh, catch them. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's, it's been an interesting story because the Guardians have this almost nothing payroll, 
And for them to play this well this long has, has absolutely stunned me. Mm-hmm. But, you know, money equals depth in baseball. And it's, mm-hmm. it's really hard to have a payroll uh, even below Tampa Bay Rays level and compete in mm-hmm. baseball. And we, this is something I think we're going to have to get into in the offseason for baseball is the economics and how it ha- absolutely has to change. I, I, yeah, we'll, we'll I, get into that today. Yeah, all props to the Guardians for being uh, this competitive for this long in this, se- in this season with the payroll they have. But at some point, when you don't have that depth that, that spending more money can bring, you're going to hit a wall for so mm-hmm. many teams. If they make it to the finish line and win this division, I will, I will give Terry Francona and everybody on that team all the props they deserve. And it's I think it's going to be hard for them to compete once the playoffs start because of that as well. Mm-hmm. Well, that brings us to our last topic of our first fair foul segment. It's my favorite topic. Uh, the Mariners <laughs> are currently on track to break the longest active playoff drought in sports. And I'm not talking just in baseball. I'm talking all American sports. Mm-hmm. Fair or foul. If they break it this year, they are a viable threat to contend for the ALCS. I'm going to have to go foul on that one. As beautiful of a story as it is, and as much as I rooted for them last season to make it, and uh, it's a nice story to see them make it this season, I don't see them getting past the Blue Jays and or the Astros. And it looks like they're going to have to play both of them uh, as far as wild card and in the first round. And... Uh, I just don't see it. I see the youth uh, running out. Y'all are going to probably have one or two exciting playoff games where the crowd gets behind y'all and y'all make a seventh to eighth inning rally like y'all do and win a couple games. But I don't see y'all winning a complete series, especially not against the Astros. I think the Astros are the best team in the league. Yeah, well, here's the thing. Uh, Actually, I believe in the wild wild card round as it's set up now, you you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you play all uh, three games at the higher seeds uh, stadium, don't you? Am I remembering that wrong? Uh, I would have to look that up. I believe I believe that's correct. I believe I saw that somewhere. To me, the Mariners' best chance is to actually fall back in the standings a little bit, as weird as it sounds. If, mm-hmm. if they're the fifth seed, I would say that's foul. But if they're facing the Guardians and the Yankees, who they played well against this year, I'd say that's a little more fair. So I think it is – I know that's against the mentality of any player or, or coach or manager, but if they were the sixth seed, it might be better for them, yeah. as crazy as that sounds. I agree with that. I would say that. I, I'll give them a better chance against Guardians, Yankees, than Blue Jays, Astros. Maybe yeah, a little and, bias and, here. I may be a little biased here, but uh, I'm going to say fair just because of what I've seen from this club. I mean, they have the best pitching staff in Major League Baseball right now. They have one of the best lineups going into the playoffs. Um, But earlier today, I shared with you guys um, something that the Mariners shared at the beginning of the season, and that was their hype video. In that hype video – it was based off of the article that Mitch Haniger wrote to the, the fans before the season. And I'm going to read a, a, a short um, part of that. 
And I need every Mariners fan to know that. But I also need them to know something else. This group is going to a playoff. That's not an if. It's a win. And that win is soon. We're going to end this effing drought. <laughs> and we're not stopping there because, yeah, it hurts. It sucks to be taking this step back. It sucks to go from having 40,000 plus rocking T-Mobile Park to go from having the city fired up beyond belief to now being stuck at home watching these games from the couch. I hate it, but that's because that's how you overcome adversity. That's how you persevere. In baseball or in whatever else, you fail. You take a step back, then you regroup. You figure it out, and you take two steps forward. It's poetic. Well, as, yeah, this as group, I said. I, this group is special. Yeah, we just, yeah. We discussed this a little bit last week. I was high on the Mariners coming into the season. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I thought they'd really built something at the end of last season, and I thought they would they would make the playoffs this year. Uh, so I'm I'm not surprised by them making the playoffs. I think uh, having Julio Rodriguez uh, give them the kind of energy and uh, you know all around skill that he does at center field and at the top of the lineup is going to get them over the finish line. But I just think if, if they're still in the fifth seed and they're facing uh, – who's, who's the fourth seed? Tampa Bay? Yeah. No, no, it'll Tampa be uh, Bay, Blue Jays. Tampa Bay is the one team I, I kind of fear because they're not completely healthy and they can get even more pieces back pretty soon here. Um, and for them to be playing at the level they – they were before uh, they got boat raced a couple of games by the Yankees this weekend. Uh, I, I would fear them at, as a completely healthy team if I'm the mm-hmm. Mariners. And the, I, I honestly think that um, Tampa Bay is a team that could probably give the Astros a little more trouble than mm-hmm. some of the other teams as well, based on the way well, they're, they're playing and the, <clears throat> and the players that they still have a chance to get back. I would say this uh, about the Mariners. They remind me of the 2020 White Sox, especially what you're saying. There's something special about them. We had a bunch of young players two years ago that was supposed to turn into superstar, all-star players, and um, all of them just fell flat this season. So I'm not saying that's what's going to happen, but after two lost wildcard games for the White Sox, a special team could turn into nothing. Yeah. yeah and, well, you know, I, 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 I understand. At least it'll end up being, you know, that baseball is back in Seattle. You know, they make the playoffs this year, hosting the All-Star game next year. Um, you know, at, at least it'll be a fun ride for, you know, two years with baseball being back in Seattle. But Yeah, I do love that because I thought it was heartbreaking. That was even talking about moving the team before y'all had that run last season. Mm-hmm. But that's going to do it for us here on Phantoms on the Mound today. Um, make sure to... Uh, subscribe to our Twitter, Phantom Sports Industries, and follow us on Twitter. Uh, you can follow both our podcast, Phantoms OT Mound, as well as Phantom Sports Industries and all of our sports channel Twitters as well. Thanks for watching. This is Phantoms on the Mound. On behalf of me, Rowan, and Lee, thank you for watching. Take care, everybody.